Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research for the week of March 1st, 2021. I'm Alex Stevens. This week, I want to highlight a bunch of IER's content that's focused on the blackouts in Texas. First up, we have a blog entitled Understanding the Texas Energy Crisis that explains what happened in Texas last week. It focuses on the recent changes in the power mix, and that blog can be found on our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. I also want to highlight the latest episode of the Plugged In podcast, where I sat down with IER's Director of Policy, Kenny Stein, to discuss the situation in Texas. Here's a short clip from that episode. Um, but at, at initially, let's just be clear that this was a historic uh, storm, historic uh, low temperatures. Um, for the time of year, the record these set record temperatures all across the entire state. And it flirted with the all-time records going back to, I think, 1899 was uh, when the all-time records were set. And those records, of course, were set in December, which is December and January is the normal cold time, uh, relatively cold time in Texas. It's very unusual for it to be this late in February. So it was an extreme amount of cold. And not only was it an extreme amount of cold, it covered the entire state. Texas will periodically get cold, cold fronts that move in. Um, but it's normally, you know, it'll be the northern half of the state will be really cold. The southern half of the state will be fine. Um, so that has an effect on the electricity distribution because normally Texas is big enough that you can move electricity around to the parts of the state that need it. But this time the entire state was at freezing or below freezing, even down the Rio Grande Valley in northern Mexico. It was below freezing. So everybody was using electricity. Everybody needed heat. So let's let's have that in the back of our minds that this was... Uh, Virtually unprecedented. It's comparable to some early nineteen, early twentieth century and late nineteenth century storms, but those also remember were before Texas had electricity. So it's it's just a different uh, situation. However, you know, having said all that, uh, deep freezes are not uncommon in Texas. They happen periodically. There was one in twenty eleven. There was another big one in nineteen eighty nine. Both times, millions of people lost power. So. While the, these types of freezes are infrequent and this was an extreme freeze, it still happens regularly and the grid could have and should have been better planned for it. So that's where you get into the policy issues. So I'll just, just as at, the, at a high level, I, the, I sort of rank, I sort of have a, my own ranking of sure. responsibility. Like what, you know, and this is sort of in order of highest to lowest. First of all, uh, ERCOT, the Texas grid regulator, uh, I think had a planning failure. They just, they didn't, it was, uh, whether it was a lack of imagination or not, you know, not, you know, looking at the information hard enough, not preparing, there was a planning failure, very clearly. Uh, secondly, you know, Texas homes and buildings and infrastructure pipelines just aren't built for this kind of cold. They're designed for the middle of summer to shed heat. They're, they're not designed to retain heat. So when you get extreme cold outside, the Texas homes, Texas buildings, just, they don't, they're not designed for that. And so it takes an enormous amount of uh, gas or electricity or anything to, to keep the home, keep a house even like tolerable at a tolerable temperature. So that's really that's an important part in that because that drove up demand hugely. Third, uh, the Texas market design. This exposed some weaknesses in the Texas market design. Uh, it clearly doesn't sufficiently incentivize uh, power plants being winterized. You know, there's no financial incentive for that. And there's not enough financial incentive to have backup power supplies online. And you saw the, the weaknesses of both those were cruelly exposed, you know, this past week. Uh, fourth, uh, reliance on intermittent power sources, especially wind. You know, uh, over 20% of Texas's electricity last year came from wind. And wind did not contribute 
to this crisis. So, and that's a problem when it's a, when it's a fifth of your supplies. And then finally, uh, natural gas generation is the dominant. Uh, it's all fifty percent, maybe a little more than fifty percent of Texas electricity generation. The problem is in the winter there is competition for natural gas for home heating. Forty percent of Texas homes heat are heated with natural gas. So when they're both competing for power, you know, home heating wins out. It takes priority over power generation, and that uh, exacerbated the supply problems that we saw. So, so again, there's blame to go all around, but that's sort of, in my personal opinion, the order of responsibility. I'll be continuing to cover developments in Texas with next week's guest, Robert Bryce, where I'll be talking with him about his experience in Texas and his recent Forbes articles highlighting why this event demonstrates problems with the Electrify Everything movement. You can find the Plugged In podcast on all the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. The podcast is also available on our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Please take the time to rate and review the podcast as it helps other people find our work. Thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens.